0: I don't Lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. That's when We Play Jams had reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very 80s. I can feel the 80s now just kind of flowing through my veins. I yeah. know
1: who it is, but I...
0: Oh, man. This is on a soundtrack. I just can't think of the soundtrack right now. Oh, this song. is a big old hit. This is on a soundtrack somewhere. Though. I can see it in a movie. I can see like a... Uh, it definitely was in a movie somewhere. I just don't oh, know yeah, movie. It's
1: one of those. It's one what of
0: those Yeah, it's one of those. I just don't know which one Who right now. Who is this? This is Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. I it thought it was. Billy Ocean.
2: Is this Caribbean Queen? No, this, no, is, this uh, is Get Out of My, my Car. car yes. get, oh, get Out of My Get, yeah. my dreams get, in my get Out of My Car. It was on the soundtrack. Get Out of My Dreams.
0: again. The Corys? What movie is this?
3: I have no idea. Oh. I just know the song. My My
0: Dreams and get into my car. This was in a a soundtrack uh, for a movie the Corys were in. Remember the Corys? Corey... Corey Hayden. Corey Corey Feldman. They were in a movie about... uh, Typical 80s movie about trying to get their license or something. And this was one of the key songs in okay. the movie, if I'm not mistaken. I could believe that. I could be way off about this, but I'm telling you. No, I'm, you're, you're, you're if not If I'm not going on. IMDB of the Corys right now, CB is probably going to send it to me, or somebody on Spec Text Line is probably going to send it please to me. Please do, because i Is I'm it, really mannequin? Like to it Mannequin? I Mannequin. I uh, recorded Mannequin just this. I don't think it's Mannequin. Now, I mean, could have been in it, too. License to Drive? Maybe that is it, Jeff. Uh, maybe it. It, it, it. License to Drive, thank you very much. Yes. Was it not the Corys? I thought it was a Cory in there. In there, I could mm. be wrong about that. Either way, uh, yeah. Now I'm getting a ton of license to drive. Thank you guys. <laughs> and it might have been in multiple movies because Billy Ocean hes just that big time. Uh, but I do remember, like, I remember watching a movie when. Yes, that, that is song. the Corey's. Is it the Corey's? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, I'm not that old. Well, actually, I am. I just revealed how old I am. You, you really did.
1: You really <laughs> did. One of and the, it's the very first song on the soundtrack. It is, and one of the chords yeah. is no long, longer with us. Correct? Didn't one of yes, them? Yes, Corey game is dead. Yes, I was
3: going to say, come on, Chad. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not gonna do that.
3: <laughs> and oh, Corey wow. Feldman is crazy. Yeah, he is. Yes, he's been he, on like
0: reality TV shows well, too. He right? He has.
3: He has a. He has a band. That so he's a musician, and then but his band is all his angels and they're Corey's angels, and then it's basically like all these girls who moved to Ooh. L.A. to oh. be famous, Oh no. and then he like, when, they, when they're when they down and out, then he brings them into their house. Oh, I don't like this. And then he has them, they're in his <laughs> band, like, well, this and is then cool. they all dress as angels. Ew, oh, it's apparently is, a real freaky scene, dude. What?
0: That's just, <laughs> that is his Don't forget creepy. he used
3: to dress like Michael Jackson. I yeah. remember that. Oh, he and was- he has claimed that him and Michael oh, le- no. used to dance together all the time. That's why their moves are so similar. Because okay. they learned to dance together. Oh, right.
0: <laughs> okay, that's not where I thought you were going with that, by the way. That's, no, no, no. That's why He's their like, moves are so similar. Gonna... Uh-oh. Yeah, so does Corey <laughs> think he still can dance? Oh, man. Oh, oh, my yeah. oh no, he
3: still puts out music videos That is and stuff. amazing. I did not, wow. I don't know. How, how, why do you know so much about... Because, course, I, because it's hilarious. You know, I've hung out with enough comedians and it's
0: fun to watch that stuff. That when you're... is great. And I saw him recently on oh man it was a, some bad movie about uh it was like a spoof on a friday 13th and he was in it randomly don't ask me why i was watching it was late and i didn't want to watch infomercials <laughs> or something so i have no idea but anyway enough about that let's get to some steve sarkeesian sound oh, this texture says it was on mannequin it was not on mannequin but mannequin gr- i think it's an underrated soundtrack and one of my favorite 80s songs is on the mannequin soundtrack too very underrated I yep. recorded it because I'm going to force my wife to watch it because she's never seen it. That's why I recorded it. Nice. Had to get that done. All right. Uh, let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian uh, because uh, he did have a media availability today. We don't get to all the sound here. We'll pick it up in Raj round of the day coming up next segment. So lots of Texas spring football conversation here. Uh, also, Specs, Texan wide open for you, five one two right. F- let's get into the first one here because, uh, first of all, Sark said he's going to do a draft for spring football. So he's going to draft mm-hmm. the team. He's going to draft the orange team. He'll draft the white team. Um, and then he said he'll be the one doing the drafting. I'm not sure if he'll have the draft, you know, the, the the rosters ready beforehand, or if he'll do the draft kind of live on the spot, improv. I have no idea. I assume he'll at least have the the lines of scrimmage kind of set because you can't just be drafting random people. Diff- you know, you got to have that all worked out because you want to have everything even position-wise. So I imagine he'll already have it set up beforehand. Uh, but either way, it's going to be a draft, he said. And he said the recent practice they had, the last practice they had, I should say, today, they worked on a lot of uh, situational uh, football, where, where you're talking about third down, where you're talking about red zone, if you're talking about fourth down, short yardage, things like that. Very interesting to hear Sark talk about uh, the the importance of the situational Practice periods. Here is uh, Steve Sarkeesian.
4: Today we were doing. We had a segment that was just two point plays. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of. You know, the game of football. We're really trying to impress upon our guys is is made up of special situations, and and we don't just run plays. We run plays specific to the situation. Whether it's you know first second down, whether it's second long, whether it's third down, whether it's third and short, whether it's backed up on our own in our own territory, whether it's kind of what we call logo territory, whether it's High red, low red, two-point plays, um, so very specific in, in what we're trying to do. Third downs, fourth downs, all those things, right? So we, we try to break those things up in practice, and then when we scrimmage, we try to let them happen as they come and see if the guys can react to the situation that it is. And that takes a lot of communication um, because it's the one guy recognizing the situation and then giving the reminders and the alerts to the other guys around him. And that constant communication is what I was pleased with Friday when those situations came up. I felt like there was really good communication and guys played those situations really well. And so that has been a, a really big step, in my opinion, in the right direction for our program from year one now into year three in spring practice.
0: Oh man, there's so much to unpack there, and I love it. By the way, I mean, I, because first of all, I I kind of flip it to a defensive, a kind of a, from a defensive standpoint, I should say, from a defensive perspective, and you guys were heard me use the term "football investigator" on this show. That you know, basically. When I was at my best, I was turned into a football investigator. And what I mean by that is essentially you're you're, you're thin slicing. You know, they always talk about quarterbacks having pre snap reads. Everybody's got a pre snap read, by the way. Everybody who's not on the line of scrimmage, and even sometimes defensive ends and D tackles say, you know, no, I got a pre snap read. I'm reading, you know, the uh, the pressure on the fingers of the offensive lineman. I'm reading the uh, what's in the backfield, the personnel package. Everybody's got a pre snap read. We just talk about the quarterback so much, and you're a pre snap read as a as a back level defender as a DB or as a linebacker, you there's all these things that you, all these clues, essentially. All of these data points, these slivers and slices of information and you can use those bits of data to narrow down the ways an offense can and wants to exploit you on that given play. And these clues include anything from down and distance, formation, personal package, field position, player matchups, uh, film study, just stuff you've learned in film study, the situational tendencies, the play calling tendencies, the trends, the, the scouting reports of different players, and then even post-snap, even though you have milliseconds to do it, you still are reading route combinations, the three-step drop, the the wide receiver's release, and honestly, the most important thing to read post-snap for any defensive back is body language. Body language doesn't whisper. It screams. It is obnoxious. It's belligerent. It yells, right? It's vociferous. It's noisy. Body language is what you're reading as a defensive back, all right, and all those little things as a football investigator, they're going to lead you to making the play. All right? They're going to put you in the right position to make the play. That's what Sark is talking about. That's football IQ. That's essentially all it is. I just wrapped it up into something that was easily palatable for you guys, the masses. But that's what football IQ is. Sark talks about it all the time with baseball. It's just situational awareness. Know you're down the distance, know the formation, the personnel package, the field position, the player matchup, the guy you matched up against, and know what their tendencies are, their strengths, their weaknesses. In the film study, you should know the situational tendencies, the play-calling trends. The scouting reports should tell you everything about the players, and you got to get all that, All right, all that information, all that data processed in, what, 20 seconds, maybe less. Quickly. No you matter what, it's got to be quickly. you got about 15. It's seconds. like the pitch it's clock. Hur- yeah. It's like the pitch clock. Exactly. And if it's a hurry-up optimal oh, yep. offense, even yep. quicker than that. that yep. That's football IQ. That's football IQ. That's football intelligence. That's any situational intelligence when it comes to sports. And that thin slicing. Whoever can do that the best, and you get better at it the more reps you get. I think that's what Sarkis is referring to here and talking about this situational uh, periods. So I love everything he broke down there, uh, Harge, even the the fact that they're talking more because you have to talk through situations. If I if I'm if I'm diagnosing all of these clues I just gave you the down distance formation personal package, and I come up with the answer, I solve the case. I go, oh no. This is twins. And on twins on second and medium, they love to go double slant. Yep. Especially when we're on the plus side of the field. So when so when all my indicators are telling me double slant, double slant, I'd be a fool. And I'd be, I'd be selfish and a bad teammate if I don't look inside and go, hey, hey, watch the double slant. Watch the double slant. They're coming with the double slant. And that's what good defenses do. That's what good teammates do. That's what smart football players do. Confident defenses are communicative. Yeah. They talk a lot. A lot. And that's what hard that's what he's talking about here. I love that. That's my favorite quote potentially a piece of audio we played from the entire spring.
1: It's a smart move, and, and, and you would think, and it goes back to what we've been talking about, and we've been talking about this for quite some time. It's the continuity of the coaching staff. You have the same coaches on your staff year in, year out. The communication is the same. The, the, the verbiage is mm-hmm. the same as well. So now these guys, they can just go play now. That's the biggest thing for me. They can go play. They're not learning and waiting to understand what the coach is trying to relay to them. They know it now. They Mm -hmm. know exactly what the defensive calls, what the situations are going to be. And for those that don't, going back to your point, that's why they are communicating better. Because now they know and they can tell the younger players, yo, here we go. Right here. This is what I'm seeing. Make sure you react this way. Boom. That's what you say.
0: Yeah. Solve the must the yeah. mystery. Yeah, and only a confident player who really believes it can in and himself yell it out. and has processed all those clues yep. can yell out. No, 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 man. We got. There's a. That's like a seventy percent chance they're gonna run mm-hmm. the inside zone here. Oh, yep. uh, we're gonna get. You know, we're gonna get a, an outside zone on this play. So it's. It, you can't do it until you become a, a true student of the game. But I think he's just saying that now they have more students of the game. I agree. Where they can have that situational awareness. Love that. Okay. okay. Uh, next cut here is about turnovers uh actually sark was talking about actually both sides taking care of the football offensively but also taking the ball away both those going to be keys to success for texas this season here Sark talking about the turnovers in the spring
4: we've done really well scrimmage wise Uh, i think on um on friday uh i think we had one interception in a two-minute period um And we had been we had been good. You know, sometimes in the practice settings, the ball can get a little loose. And that's when we have to keep training the guys about understanding, um, like situational awareness and what's going on. Uh, Again, I thought I thought that the defense created some turnovers today uh, through the air. Uh, So we definitely have to clean that up Thursday. And then, you know, the goal is Saturday for the quarterbacks to be clean with the ball. That doesn't mean interceptions can't happen. There's tip balls. There's things that can happen uh, that can create turnovers, and that's where we're really trying to impress upon the defense of taking advantage of our opportunities. Um, in, a, in analyzing last season, I felt like we missed some opportunities for some some critical turnovers and some big plays. Whether it was interceptions off our hands, tip balls that we weren't able to come down with. Those are the ones that can change a complexion of a football game and ultimately change a complexion of a season to create those turnovers. So um, I think our defense is on it. Uh, I'm really impressed with our coaches uh, that, that, that they're on it. And I think the players right now, I don't feel as many missed ops. When it's there, they're making their play.
0: Yeah, I mean, taking care of the football is going to be big. And uh, taking away the football, of course, on defense is going to be pivotal for them. Um, And I I was looking at a stat today, actually, about Rojo, because I was doing some draft research. You realize Rojo had one fumble his entire career? And it was last year. Stud. It was at K-State game. Stud. Right? It was a KC game yeah. where they ran him down and punched it. That was like honestly, that was a That was, was a great like, play. It, exactly. It was a great oh, play. Yeah. He didn't fumble. It, it
3: the was ball. a great yeah, play. Yeah. And it was a mistake on the rest of the team for not yelling at him loud enough yes. to let him know. Because cool. all of cool. us were yelling at it at our TVs, right? Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. And it was fourth and one, I think, too. I think it was like a yeah, fourth and huge one. Run. Yeah. And he was getting ready to probably going for score potentially. Uh but yeah, that was the only time he fumbled. So just getting back to it, you had some running backs to care. And remember how rare it was to see Bijan fumble? Remember that tech game? Yep. And watching he fumbled in the overtime. You mean the there. one
1: that the texter would always hit us up and talk about the reason why you lost because
0: Bijan fumbled? It's just so. And
1: re- it was like, it doesn't happen. He's not a
0: fumbler. He's not a fumbler. And honestly, I still think the reason he fumbled in that game. Remember how cleanly the tech defender yeah, tackled him? Yeah, he was him? clear. I think he was shocked that somebody tackled him that cleanly. Yeah. He, he hasn't been tackled. like Ever. One, one defender has, hasn't tackled Bijan. Yeah. And, like, it, it, honestly, I would say it's one out of every probably, maybe 40, yeah. 50 plays where one single defender in a yeah. one-on-one tackled Bijan successfully. It just didn't happen a lot. Yeah. And that was one of those times where the Tech defender just squared him up really well. Right. And I think he just – Bijan was like, whoa, what the – he was kind of surprised. Like, what the hell's going on here? He's no never doubt. been hit that like cleanly. And it really does – the ball came loose. He jarred it loose. It was not a, a huge hit, but it was just so – it was a solid tackle a on right. one-on-one situation. Anyway, uh, but Texas did not turn the ball over a lot in the run game last year. I do wonder this year with young running backs if that will come up again. Right. It, uh, it right? might. Because those might. are veteran backs who they knew, the you know, the, everybody knows obviously the importance of taking care of the football, but they had experience doing it. And I wonder if some of these younger guys carrying the football, if that would be a concern. Cause we've just been spoiled right with I, two great ball handlers. Well, I think Tashar
1: Choice not. is definitely going to make sure – that that is a priority because of the fact that we have been so used to experienced guys running Mm -hmm. with the football and you take it for granted. You take that part of it for granted because it was so rare that that happened by those guys. So I'm definitely sure that this is something that they probably been working on at practice. They probably had some issues at practice before with the younger players. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sure choice is over there saying, hold up, man you know you got to make sure you control this ball because if not, he's not going to put you in and our damn show ain't going to put you in because that's on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: I believe, and this is what we thought was a bit of an overreaction. Remember Bijan carrying the ball around? Yeah. Campus. After he had the the tech fumble, I believe it was. Right. So yeah, uh, I I I think this year, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I think Texas may have to not that's gonna be a fumbling issue, but they won't have the security they had last year with a Bijan and a Rojo in the yep. backfield. Somebody
1: said Ingram wasn't that long ago.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. a great point.
1: Oh, yeah. you're right. The back to backs. The back. The
0: TCU and the OU game.
1: Yeah.
2: And that I was think you And he
1: dropped the pass against USC. Was no it USC,
0: the LH- LH- LSU. LSU
1: game. That's right, right. That was right. LSU. One. That was. Oh, oh. yeah. Wow. That's so got so
0: close. Hey, that's an NFL running back, by the way. Yeah, he is an elite. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Think about you had you had three NFL running backs in that backfield. Oh now. yeah. That, yeah, that, that, Tom that locker room was nice. Tom Herman should have been playing more two-tailback sets, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, so let's get to the last cut-in, then we'll finish the rest of these in Rod's rant of the day. So the spring games are always kind of weird because it's hard to celebrate a spring game. If you're celebrating the spring game, you're also celebrating that one aspect of your team underachieved or yeah. subpar. So if your defense is balling out and having a great spring game, what well, it means your offense is underachieving. Uh, so it's kind of a glass half full, glass half empty, uh, depending on your mm-hmm. per, uh, depending on your perspective of the spring game. Here is Sark talking about what he wants and how he
4: judges uh, a spring game. You know the, what I look for is a clean game. Mm-hmm. I, I try to I look for you know the, the mental errors. We have guys doing the wrong thing, guys lining up incorrectly. Uh, I look for physicality, you know, who can play well at the point of attack, whether it's inside the box or on the perimeter. I look for playmaking ability. Um, uh, Those are the types of things I look for because ultimately, uh, if both sides play really well, it should be pretty evenly matched and it should be a hard-fought, you know, offense and or defense and whichever side of the ball is going. Um, The problem comes when the big plays occur, whether it's a big touchdown or a turnover or a sack – Generally, there's an error somewhere. And so hopefully we can reduce the number of errors that occur in the game. That, that's really what I'm looking for.
0: All right, there you go. And he's right about that. There clean game, you know, yep. clean game without a lot of penalties, uh, alignment assignment, sound. You don't want any injuries. Not going with there, too. Yep, yep. Uh, and you'd like guys to, at least when it comes to the schematic uh, part portion of spring game, you'd like guys to be sound there in terms of knowing the scheme and knowing where they're supposed to be, their alignment assignments. So yeah. hopefully that is the case. Right, we got a few more cuts, got about four more cuts, and we'll uh, pick those up on the other side, including uh, start talking about the passing game improvement and JT Sanders. I love what he said about JT Sanders. We'll get into that too. Uh, also, Specs text line, shout out to Chan and a couple of the texters who did mention, yes, the mannequin soundtrack does have a fantastic jam. Nothing can stop us now. Uh huh. hmm. Hold on. Jefferson Starship is that what it is? I believe so. Is it? I I, I, I do not know. So I, I believe I,
3: that is Jefferson Starship, which we used to, which became Starship, but before that was Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> before they're the, the airplane, and the, there, are they had they, so many different. Oh, like they changed. They changed their like like and all that. Yeah, yeah. The names? Yeah, yeah,
0: But I do know that
1: gotta is got to shorten jam. it up every once in a while. Dude,
0: so that is a that song still bangs. I'm telling you, it still does. Damn good job by Jefferson Starship, wherever they are. Yes. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll get into Rod's round today. More Texas football discussion. More audio from uh, Steve Sarkeesian from the media availability. All that and more right here on Ball Line Line,
2: Horn.
0: I'M AS MAD AS HELL AND I'M NOT GONNA TAKE THIS ANYMORE!
2: Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real.
4: You ain't keeping it real! My god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, you've got it, done you done it now. It's time for Rod's no! Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt.
0: All right. Welcome back to uh, Ball Don't Lie and Rod's rant of the day. We're just going to continue the conversation we're having about Texas spring football because I got a couple of more uh, audio uh, pieces of audio that my man Patrick pulled uh, that I want to share with you guys. So this next cut is about what uh, Sark said is his biggest concern or at least his biggest project in the offseason this spring, which is the improvement of the Texas passing game. Um, And we've talked about this at nauseam, but the Texas passing game regressed last year for a lot of different reasons. Young quarterback that, you know, obviously regressed a little. We saw that. Um, uh, X Man, X Factor with his hand, the broken hand, that kind of stuff. We talked about that as well. A young offensive line. So there's some pass protection issues in the Longhorns deal with. So there are a lot of different things. By the way, Sark's play calling and lack of creativity and innovation also at times to blame for that. Here's Sark when talking about the passing game and the improvement that they've had so far this spring.
4: I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think that we've really tried to drill down. Um, as a staff, on, on what we're doing and why we're doing it, and make sure we're teaching it well. Um, I think that the, obviously, you know, Quinn's development has helped that. I think the influx of some, some talented players so that we got a little more depth at the receiver position has been helpful there. Um, I think fundamentally, Coach Jackson's done a great job with, with our receivers, and, and we're catching the ball really well right now. Then got, you, know, you don't feel the drops. Um, and I think ultimately there's some, there's some confidence, you know, as, as you, as you, as you start to make more plays, you, you build that confidence and you build that trust. And as you, as you build the trust, right? Trust is an action. Then you start getting that faith and that belief that it's going to, that it's going to work. And I felt like at times last year, there was a little bit of hesitation in just our, in our ability to, to trust what was happening. And so uh, I think that all those things have added up to, Um, we're throwing the ball pretty well right now. Um, And and guys are making plays when their numbers are called.
0: All right. And we know a lot of the passing game is built around the deep ball. Uh, So we'll see if in the spring game, that's one thing to look for is the deep ball working. Have they improved the deep ball accuracy, which last year, uh, they struggled. They're one of the worst teams in the Big 12 at completing the deep ball. I think you're going to see a lot of quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. Quick game. I hope so. Um, to get your young quarterbacks, even Quinn's considered a young quarterback, even though he's a starter. you got to get him in the groove hard. And then as these guys get in the groove, let the deep ball come. Don't chase the deep ball. I think that's what Sark does. He chases that deep ball, and it's like, TLC, don't go chasing waterfalls. (laughs) Exactly. Please stick to the rivers, all right, and the lakes that you're used to. Yeah, we don't need to be close to the waterfalls at all. That's what what happens to Sark. He starts chasing that deep ball. It's like chasing a waterfall. So quick game, quick game, quick game. Let it come to you more naturally.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be Sark's game plan (laughs) now because, again, you get a chance to self-reflect, right? You get a chance to go back Mm -hmm. and look at a lot of these games. Where were we missing? What was going on? And now I see, oh, man, I was really chasing those waterfalls, Mm -hmm. as my man Rob B. just said. Now I got to go ahead and just – Stip my toe in there. Just just stick the toe in <laughs> there, stick man. Yeah, toe. just sit there.
3: Just, just, just put sit it there on the edge.
1: Hey. Don't go chasing it. Just yeah, say, I make agree. sure the water's good. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, just
1: test it a little bit yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I want you to go, oh, all nah, this. right he you in. diving off of it like, <laughs> like you over there with Eddie Reese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off the hot <high> dive. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm like, no, 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 bro. I'm getting
0: down. How no deep down. is that? How deep is that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like
0: that one. That's even better. Okay, let's get into, and this may help the pass game as well. He was asked about the next... Next up for J.T. Sanders and how he has performed so far this year, um, I have said before, it's possible if you really want to evolve the passing game and have it, you know, essentially be at its its best or at least at its most lethal mm-hmm. Honestly, building it around JT Sanders might not be a bad idea instead of building the pass game around force feeding the ball to X-Man. X-Man's right. going to get his targets. I'm not saying take that away from him. He's going to get open. Don't worry but about it. But it's likely that JT Sanders will have more matchup advantages than X-Man will. Yep. Because X-Man's easier to double. You can put your best corner on X-Man. You can put a safety on the top. You can roll coverage this way. People always say this about Travis Kelsey. They always say, what well, they say about Travis Kelsey and, and the Chiefs. Why is he always open? Yep. Well, because it's really tough to be able to construct a defense that's malleable enough to defend all the different places you can put Travis Kelsey. Put him in the backfield as an H-back or a fullback. Make mm-hmm. him an in line tight end. Put him in the slot. Put him at the flex. Put him outside wide. You can move him around. Basically, so-
1: you saying move him
0: around. You know what? <laughs> I just read my mind. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, here is Sark with being asked about. And by the way, you may have read Sark's mind, too. Here is Sark with being asked about J.T. Sanders and his development this spring.
4: Well, I think there's, there's a lot to, to it, you know, I mean, to it, you know, naturally he's, he's a very natural pass catcher. Um, And I think, I think, you know, JT's got a really high football IQ. So the more we can move him around uh, and to give him different route opportunities, um, that part's been helpful. I think run game wise, there's still an evolution to his game where I think he can take it to another level uh, from a blocking perspective, Um, And then when he catches the ball, what he does with the ball in his hands. You know, he's a big physical guy. He's very athletic. We're trying to get him to use his body more once the ball is in his hands. And and I think we're seeing that. He's much more physical right now with the ball in his hands than he's ever been in the first couple years here.
0: I haven't seen my man CB talking about this via Twitter. Shout out to CB. But I got to tell you, he – he, he's got a chance to be the greatest tight end in Texas football history, and he's actually not that far off from it right now because we haven't had a ton of prolific tight end play at Texas. Mm-hmm. And we know Texas, basically tight end has been a species on the 40 acres for like 15 years. He's the first true 5 tool tight end since Jermichael Finley. Yeah, you had a, tie, a Jeff Swain and a Tyrone Swoops in there and Andrew Beck, guys who have played in the NFL uh, at tight end and fullback, but the, real, the best tight end prospect on the 40 acres since Jermichael Finley is J.T. Sanders. And, guys, the record for the most touchdown catches in a single season for a tight end, Pat Fitzgerald is eight. He did that in 1995. Uh, J.T. Sanders, I mean, this is a guy that had five touchdowns yeah. last season. Um, that would be, I believe that's, if you will look at it, his 613 receiving yards last year, second all-time in a single season for a tight end. Uh, his, his touchdown passes were fifth. Uh, sorry, third all-time. Uh, for a tight end at Texas. His 54 receptions are the most by a tight end in a single season at Texas. He's got to get the most receptions, uh, most receiving yards, excuse me, in a single season for a tight end. Uh, He would have to get 637. He had 613 last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most receiving yards in a single game by a tight end, Jermichael Finley, 149. I think he could, JT Sanders, can have one of those games this year. Most receiving yards in a career for a tight end, David Thomas, 1,367. Hell, one more season, Out of J.T. Sanders, he's going to catch that. Yeah. And most receiving touchdowns in a career by a tight end. 15 by David Thomas. If J.T. Sanders stays around two more seasons, he'll definitely catch that. Could do it this year if they feature him more. And most receiving touchdowns in a game by a tight end. Three by D.J. Grant. He probably won't break that one. That was pretty wild.
1: Yeah, that was. Uh, But my point
0: is, he's got a chance to be the best tight end in the history of Texas football from basically about one more really good year.
1: This goes back to the point of what we were (laughs) saying the underutilization of the options with Bijan Robinson Mm. and how you had the opportunity to move him around and do different things with him, now you see you have that weapon in J.T. Sanders, who I kept saying at the very beginning, if you don't get him involved early in the game, he's not going to be there for you later. Mm. He's not used to being just a blocker. No. Right? So he's used to being open and getting the ball. And that goes back to Quinn seeing more of the field, having a better understanding of this offense, but also going back to Coach Sark, where he was like, you know what? I need to make sure I get the ball to my best players in different areas of the field, regardless if they line Mm -hmm. up in the backfield, we're lined up if they line up in a slot, Mm -hmm. if they line up at tight end, if they're out on the edge. If I can find a matchup where I can exploit that person, I'm gonna do it, and I'm not gonna hesitate anymore.
0: Yeah, no. And speaking of, they'll be trying to exploit more matchups with the Texas defensive line going up against an opposing offensive line. Sark was asked about pass rushers, and this is important. And I love this. This might be one of my second favorite quote of the day from Sark. He was asked about what guys are standing out as premier pass rushers in the spring. Here's what Sark had to say.
4: Yeah, I think one guy that stands out to me that his to me that I mean, at times I feel like he's unblockable, is Byron Murphy. And that's internal pressure. I mean, but this guy is so active. He's so strong. He's so quick, and he's very smart. Uh, he has presented some real issues. Um, I think Anthony Hill, anytime that he can present opportunities to rush the passer, uh, he's an issue that way. Um, th- those two guys are the first two that stand out to me that I feel like whenever their number and their opportunity presents itself, they, they find their way back there.
0: You talking about the unblockable Byron Murphy? Yeah. You mean that one? <laughs> that one? That, that dude? I remember Texas last <laughs> year? They were two hundred. They had two hundred seventy-seven pressures, second most in college football, but they only were able to. Uh, tr- to really uh, turn twenty turn those two hundred seventy seven pressures into twenty seven sacks. Uh, as a matter of fact, the top ten uh, teams in pressures in college football and Texas was second. Uh, but among those top ten teams, Texas had the uh, second fewest sacks. Yep. Only NC State in the top ten had fewer sacks in Texas with twenty four. They uh, Texas had twenty seven. So they want to convert more of those pressures into sacks. And man, interior pressure is a nice way to do it. I love that you said the young buck at like the hill. Off the edge. Remember, Darvion Overshown. He had. He was great off the edge for Texas last season. But what happened? Uh, didn't do well, it enough. Right? They didn't do it <laughs> right. Amen That's what I'm it, saying. Baby. I think he's. I think he's
1: learning from what he saw on the film. I yeah. think they went back and did the research and 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 self reflected and saying, man, we missed a lot of
0: stuff. We missed a lot of opportunities. We left a a W or 2 on the board. Exactly. Because we as a coach didn't give our guys a schematic advantage. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. Um, Okay, you know what? We'll come back next segment. Uh, This is kind of an off the record, but it's more about Carson Palmer's comments about uh, Joe Burrow being the best quarterback in the NFL. I want to talk about this a little bit, so we'll play the comments and we'll get into that conversation right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Down the Horn.
2: My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body's telling me it yeah, baby, I don't want to hurt nobody, but there is
0: All right, welcome back. Tomorrow Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday is when Patrick Patrick plays jams every <laughs> reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Oh. And <laughs> uh, a little R. Kelly for you. I haven't heard R. Kelly in a long time. I
3: know.
0: Nobody plays R. Kelly anymore. No. Nobody plays him anymore, not in public anyway. I'll
1: but tell you what I did.
0: I didn't say nobody. For, no, I, I'm saying. You did? The
1: other day, I was getting ready. I don't even know where <laughs> we're getting ready to go. I played the whole trapped in the closet all, all 12. All the way through of. with the Osley brothers? All, I'm with talking Bro- about all, Osley? Of the, all the way through. Like now. the talking parts and everything. Oh, man. The everything. Parts. I played the entire thing. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at it, man. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. At one time. Uh, a lot of, mine. A lot of people was jamming <laughs> R. Kelly. Uh, not anymore. But Top of the Charts Tuesday. That is a jam that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, he did have some jams, though. Yeah, he, he did have some jams. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, Carson Palmer. because, Uh, I guess if you're a Bengals fan, you thought this was the jam. Carson Palmer was on a podcast, uh, and he was being asked about uh, Joe Burrow, talking about Joe Burrow, him a former Bengal, makes a lot of sense. Um, And he made a comment comparing Joe Burrow to one Patrick Mahomes and basically saying Joe Burrow to him, hey, man, he's he's the top guy. He's better than what people are saying is the new goat in Patrick Mahomes. Here's Carson Palmer.
2: I think Joe's the best quarterback in the league, and I think I know Patrick is phenomenal. But but I just think Joe's more consistent. He's more consistent. He's more accountable to run the system and the play that's called, and not feel like, well, he didn't win last time and get open for me, so I'm gonna do it with my feet. And then before you know it, you're socked for a four yard loss because you tried to make two or three guys miss. Joe is just he, he. They're talk about not having a weakness. Mentally strong, physically tough, accurate, can throw it far enough, fast enough, gets the ball out quick, and then he can actually do a lot with his legs. He just rarely shows it. and it's not I, I think he's as athletic outside the pocket with, you know, and, and can do a lot of the same things Patrick Mahomes has done. He hasn't done it and showed it yet. He's played more within his system and and, and style. But I I think he's the best quarterback in the league. All right. He says the best quarterback.
0: I will say that if you go look at all the numbers, I mean, they're not in terms of just the raw stats from last two years. Mahomes, 66.7 percent completion percentage. Burrow, uh, 69.3. 10,089 pass yards for Mahomes. 9,086 for Burrow. Uh, Burrow did play Two fewer games in that time span. 26 interceptions, 69 touchdowns for Burrow, uh, 78 touchdowns, 25 interceptions for Mahomes. So those are relatively close. But you start looking at accomplishments overall. I mean, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, who's got two Super Bowl championships now and three appearances, and he's been starting, what, four years? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the greatest start for any quarterback we've ever seen. But to me, I always say and I, I this is how I I love to like divide the QBs. I always say f- try to find out what your quarterback does as well if not better than everybody else. What's their X-man ability that sets them apart? Joe Burrow, he he is he's got the clutch of gene. He does. He's got he as clutch as it gets, man. He plays some of his best football in the clutch, As a matter of fact, he has a 3-3-1 three, three record versus Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah. Uh, He does. The the first loss was just this last time. It was his last time. Yeah.
0: So he's got the clutch sheet, and what I'll point out there, though, is the X-man ability for Patrick Mahomes, though, no no lead is safe, and no deficit seems insurmountable with Patrick Mahomes. If you go look at playoff games where quarterbacks have trailed by double digits, Patrick Mahomes— is the only quarterback, arguably in NFL history, who has trailed by, if you look at that record, of trailing by double digits in playoff games, he's the only one with a winning record. He's the only one with a winning record. Everybody, he's 4-2 and two in yep. playoff games where he's trailed by double digits. Two of those are Super Bowl wins, by the way.
1: I was going to say, like, at the end of the day, we're talking about who's the better quarterback. You've got to go wins. with Patrick. Yes, he's been Dude, in the Super Bowl that's and won deal. it. You know what I'm saying? But down by double digits in in, in the two two, two bowls he won. So I understand where you're coming from. Carson Palmer, I'm a big fan of him. Oh, by the way, he was a Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. I get it. So he's looking at his guy. But here's the deal. Right now, you have to go with the best quarterback, and the best quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Is the fact that he is trending in the right direction? Absolutely. Is Joe Burrow have that clutch gene? For sure. He's got it. But go ahead and tell me the, well, how many bucks. Kim votes? Kardashian,
0: Hickory with Cardi B's making the stallion size. Until you get them dubs in the Super Bowl,
1: you're not going to be considered the best quarterback.
3: No, we can also throw in the fact that he's playing with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. That helps. Yeah. And you can say, look, you do have two great wide receivers that you're playing with as well. That helps you out. You don't have an O-line. like we. It's just hard this early in both their careers to judge and go, no, no, this guy's clearly head and shoulders. But, like, no, I – And I I think Carson Palmer too. I know he watches Patrick Mahomes, but the take that Patrick Mahomes tries to run too much. I didn't think that was a solid. Like that's not a solid. That's not Patrick Mahomes. He 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 only does
0: it when it's necessary. Yeah, Yeah. like like, he he doesn't he doesn't do it enough. (laughs) Yeah,
3: <laughs> so that whole you're gonna have to try and make four guys miss because you're trying to do it with your feet. You're like, that's not really Patrick Mahomes, mm. which tells me you probably watch a lot more Joe Burrow than Patrick Mahomes, exactly, which is why you like Joe Burrow more. I get it, yeah, Joe Burrow is really, really good. He's we, awesome. we, nobody's denying that
4: fact, but that he's you know, really you're good. good.
3: But <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, you're probably gonna end up watching more Patrick Mahomes or at least some Patrick Mahomes in every season because he's usually gonna be playing later in the year than Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, I hope I see them both. Or uh, they're going to be or hope, they're going to be playing play against each, other. each other. I hope they end yeah. up like a rivalry because they they both are great. But like I said,
0: Patrick Mahomes, we've never seen a quarterback. That treats double-digit leads in the NFL this way. He basically yep. treats a double-digit league like Steph Curry does in the NBA. Yep. It doesn't matter to him because he he basically eviscerated in a matter of seconds, like he did thanks Texter mm-hmm. uh, to my Houston Texans. Said beat your Texans pretty bad, 24-point comeback. Yeah, I'll give you a stat about that really quickly. So how about this? This, this? And we'll end it on this note to show you how much of a freakish X man, uh, 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 basically uh, Mahomes is, especially when it comes to overcoming. Double-digit deficits. So, if you take the uh, the biggest have basically the biggest halftime uh, deficits or leads, teams who have had the biggest comeback wins from a deficit of 23 plus points. All right, you take all basically 33 such games going all the way back to 1946, where an NFL team had a comeback win after being down at least 23 points. The Kansas City Chiefs coming back against the Texans. It's the only game out of those thirty-three in NFL history where the team who came back to win after being down twenty-three plus points were leading at halftime. Hmm. Halftime. Yeah. Mm. Only time it's ever happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> so his he, his ability to get to go thermonuclear. On teams, and to basically get this kind of a category five force of nature to go supernova, it, it, it is Steph Curry like, except on a football field. Yep. And I don't think anybody has ever seen anything like that. So Joe Burrow's great, but Joe Burrow can't do that. Nobody has ever been able to do that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll come don't back. Don't do that. No, exactly. <laughs> we'll come back. We got a uh, play in game previews on the other side for the games tonight and a little Texas baseball preview as well. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, a wonderful Horn.